This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hey Fraser, how are you? Hey Federico, it's been a, a strange week. How can mm. I say it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I want to jump straight into this uh, because okay. I, I saw it on Twitter. I can see it from the title of the show in our document. <laughs> uh, Fraser, what have you done? This would be my first question. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened what who are you and what have you done with fraser yeah mm-hmm, that's the thing mm-hmm. um yeah so i'm i am holding in my hand a, an android phone a google oh pixel 2 xl a <laughs> pixel 2 xl okay so yep. this is not the new the new one that was just announced not the three no no okay okay so although at the exact time that i bought it it was the current google pixel flag- flagship phone but i suspect that the yeah, its imminent replacement was partly to do with the price that I paid for it. So, uh, a deal was struck, shall we say? Mm. All right. With so, the devil. C- can you can you tell me can you tell me what happened here? Like, how did you yeah. make this decision? How what, what was the process like? So, I, I suppose that there's a couple of things to it, but but really and truly, where this all began was when iOS 12 was in beta over the summer. And as you know, one of the big features of iOS 12 was the screen time feature where it would track how much time you spent in apps and what you what you did in the apps and how often you touched your phone and so on. And, and what my data consistently showed was that what I thought I was using my iPhone for and what I was actually using my iPhone for were very, very different things. And I suppose in my head, I sort of thought of myself as like a really high-end iPhone user. And uh, I mean, I had all these apps installed, you know, I had OmniFocus, which I did use, and, and things like, you know, Keynote and Ulysses and and all these great kind of high-end signature iOS apps. And I thought, well, I need all these things for my productivity and it's, it's essential that I can work from my phone, if you like. And when I looked at the actual data that came out of screen time, what it showed was that I basically used, well, Twitter was number one by miles. And then it was um, an app called Rugby Pass, which is a, a rugby uh, streaming app that I use. YouTube, uh, Google Maps, Netflix, Overcast. You know, it was essentially entertainment tools and, and messaging to a certain extent as well. So I, I kind of thought to myself, look, this doesn't look like great value for this £1,000 phone that I'm holding in my pocket. What, Why... Why do I keep investing in these high-end smartphones when all I do is basically use the cloud and use them through client apps? You know, if you think about those things I'm talking about, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iMessage, Google Maps, Netflix, all of these things, apart from Overcast, all of these things are basically just remote control connections to the cloud. And that was what started me thinking. And my first thought before they discontinued it was, well, maybe I should get an iPhone SE and just save a bunch of money and uh, I would have a phone that did did well enough for what I wanted it to do and then things kind of just snowballed out of control from that from that thought onwards so that was but that was the initial thinking it was sort of the one of my friends Fraser Hess on Twitter put it it's like the freakonomics of uh, uh, of uh, screen time usage you know it, it, the economic outcome is very different from what was perhaps intended hmm Interesting. Okay, so um, it starts with the with the apps that you're using, um, yeah. which I think it's fascinating to me that an iOS feature 
sort of opened your eyes to this fact that you sort of you you had a different you had a different um, idea of just how dependent you were on certain um, iOS apps. Um, what was the the other factor from a, like I guess from a because I saw your tweet uh, from a pricing perspective I suppose that's the other issue. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the, you know ever since the in the UK ever since the Brexit vote you know however long ago that was the our currency slid pretty hard pretty quickly and um, Apple's pricing in the UK has gotten very expensive. You know you're looking at a lot of the. A lot of the Apple product lines and the all the entry levels are all very high now, and and the upper ends are even higher. You know, if you want to buy a fifteen inch laptop from Apple, you've got to spend two thousand four hundred pounds to get that. You know, that's the entry level fifteen inch laptop from Apple, and even the, the entry level you know Mac portable at all is nine hundred and fifty pounds, and the phones you know as as we've seen every year have gone up and up and up in price. You know, and and even the so called uh, more affordable ones, the ones that are supposed to reach more people, you're still talking about uh, £700 plus pounds to, to buy like an iPhone 8 or something like that. And, and that's even the entry-level model, never mind the one that you might want with the storage level and so on. And if you look at the high-end iPhone XS Max, you're talking about, well, what's the, the top end in the UK is like £1,500 or something like that for the, for the high-end one. So, I mean, partly, there's lots of things go into that, right? Partly it's, you know, Apple's pricing structure, Partly it's, um, I kind of feel like since Tim Cook took over Apple, there's definitely been a focus on getting average selling price up by hook mm-hmm. or by crook and, and increasing services, revenue and all of these things. And it's, it just seems to me that in a way Apple has sort of, their entry levels have just become so high that it just feels weird. You know, I just, it, and I mean, I'm not a guy who's like anti-capitalism or anything like that. I'm really into companies making money. I think that's a great thing for the world. But mm-hmm. it just felt like, I was like, this is not worth what these guys are charging for it. And partly it's, you know, there's UK sales tax as well. That's 20%, the currency. Not all of these things are Apple's fault, but in a way they are Apple's problem because uh, the sticker price that you're looking at as a customer, it, it just seems to be getting higher and higher. Yeah. No, I totally understand that and especially yeah. with the when it comes to fluctuations due to uh, currency conversions and and tax. Like I totally get the problem in Italy. Um yeah. there's no Apple upgrade program in the UK, right? Like like it, there's one in the US with, with Apple. Uh, yes. No, that that's over here. Yeah, and I, I was oh, on okay. that for my iPhone 10. So I, I was paying something like uh, 56 pounds a month just for oh, the phone on the okay. upgrade program you know mm. and then on top of that i was paying my my carrier service which was a trivial fraction it was like 18 pounds or something so you know the phone was the huge proportion of the cost and i'm looking at going 56 pounds a month you know and this is what i'm doing with it is <laughs> going on youtube and listening to podcast and it's like mm-hmm. i don't really know if okay. i'm getting that value you know okay so this is the second factor um i suppose mm-hmm. that uh, and you've been talking about sort of uh, embracing the Google ecosystem, right? First at yeah. work, uh, at school, and then I suppose for personal use as well. And uh, and I can imagine how that could have been like uh, one of the essential factors in, in switching from an iPhone to an Android phone, right? Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I, I think that that one doesn't maybe have as much impact as the other ones. I think the price and the, and the usage elements were the real driving factors and and maybe some of the the google ecosystem stuff comes along for the ride but what has been fascinating i mean i only got this phone 
today earlier on, so I've just been quickly playing with it. But it's what's interesting about it is how not different it is. If you think about the set of things that I was doing with my iPhone, a lot of those apps, like you know, we had I was using the the Google Drive app on on iPhone and using the Google uh, Google Docs and Google Slides and stuff. The, on the iOS, they're virtually pixel identical to what they're like on Android. You know, so in fact, in a way. I've sort of been using Android for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, but just sort of hosted inside iOS. And we've talked before, Federico, about Google sort of making a beachhead inside iOS because all, all of the Google iOS apps look like Android apps. You know, they use the material design and, and they use all the Android st- design gestures and things like that. And I kind of feel like I've moved over to this new phone and everything is just about the same as it was before. I mean, there's slight differences. You know, I compared it on Twitter to like, living in Britain and then going to visit America, you know, where we, we notionally speak the same language and we have similar values or whatever, but everything's just slightly different, but it's mostly the same. And it's really weird because it's not that different. Yeah, and in a way, sort of the iOS apps prepared you for switching from, from iOS to Android because effectively yeah. uh, they have the same consistent design language, so it's easier to switch. I've seen this argument actually made a lot, and I guess that it kind of yeah. works, works both ways. Like if you have an mm-hmm. Android phone and using Google services, then it's easier to switch to iPhone. So uh, that's definitely one of the upsides of having the same design language everywhere, which is fascinating. Well, because yeah. Apple doesn't follow the same approach. Like with Apple Music, they it mm-hmm. doesn't look like an iOS app on Android, I think. No, it's, it's, it's very Android-y. And, and in a way, I think that speaks to a slight difference in emphasis between Google and Apple as to what is the actual product. And in a way, Google's product is the cloud service and everything else comes along for the ride. And we, we talked about that in the members episode about the, the Chromebook tab where, you know, no nobody loves a Chromebook, right? But, People do love G Suite, and and it comes. The Chromebook comes along for the ride, and in a way, the Android sort of comes along for the ride as well to a certain extent. Nobody loves a Chromebook; it's just savage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's true though, and I mean, I've, I've I worked with a lot of schools, and some who some who were doing iPad programs, and some who were doing Chromebook programs, and what you sort of found reasonably consistently was that the kids in the iPad schools loved the fact that they had an iPad. And the kids at the Chromebook schools, well, they, they sort of appreciated that they had a Chromebook, but they didn't really, like, they didn't personally invest in it in the same way. So I think uh, that that's kind of how I feel about Chromebooks. I mean, I, I really respect them and I, I like them mm-hmm. a lot, but I don't, I don't sort of, it's not exciting in the same way that like opening a MacBook right. Pro is or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, all right. So these are the three main factors. Um you you said you got the Google Pixel 2 XL. Um, 2 XL what, yep. uh, what kind of storage? So this is the 64 gig model. Um, okay. In black. And it's pretty nice to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what's it cost like uh what's the what's the the service that you're paying for what's the plan what's the like how so, much are you saving yeah. compared to the iphone mm-hmm. so i told you i was paying 56 pounds a month f- just for the iphone 10 yes and then i was paying separately for the sim card uh the the combined deal that i'm getting for the pixel phone and the service the same level of service as i was getting on my other carrier uh, i'm paying 33 pounds a month for both together Oh. So effectively, uh, effectively, I'm paying fifteen pounds a month for the phone, as opposed to fifty six. Well, that's a big difference. Okay. 
<laughs> you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. I, I think if I had gone for the Pixel 3, right? I, I mean, th- that price is in a way artificially low because I'm pretty sure that they were trying to blow out the last of their Pixel 2 stock just the day before the Pixel 3 was coming out. So um, I, I think the Pixel 3 would be closer to um, probably another £10 a month on top of what I'm paying for this if I was getting the late, the newer phone. Uh, so, but yeah. you know, that, that's the thing. And I suppose in a way, in the in the Android world, there's more room for deal making to happen as well because you've got you know third party resellers involved, and you do for the iPhone as well. But I feel like there's maybe these shops are afforded less yeah. flexibility in pricing the iPhone. I think Apple has a takes a much stronger line in who can cut prices on the iPhone and when. Yeah, yeah. There's a, feels like there's more deals being made with carriers or with retailers. Yeah, total, I, yeah. that is totally true in Italy as well. Um, yeah. Okay, so you get this phone. You still have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. How, like, how does yep. this? So how does the switching from an iPhone to Android actually work? Like, wh- what did you do yeah. to to move your data? Well. Um, for the most part, I, I just log, I just installed the apps that I use on iOS on the Android phone and signed in, and that was it. You know, okay. I had pre, I had previously, you know, um, I didn't. There is a, a sort of tr- transfer from iPhone to Android kind of thing that that is supposed to work, but um, because you know my lifestyle has been so cloud based for so long that it was really just a case of signing into this new phone, and most stuff was there. I mean, I'm just trying to think what I've got on here already in the time that I've set it up. Um, Google Photos. I had been running Google Photos alongside iCloud Photo Library on my iPhone for a while, just as a kind of experiment and a backup. So that bit was quite easy because it was all already there, and that was fine. Um, The one that was a wee bit tricky was Contacts. So what I did on, on my Mac at work was I took my the contacts that I had in iCloud and exported them as a V-card and then uploaded them to Google Contacts through the web browser. So th- that was, I mean, it was export one file, import one file, job done. Um, so those were the two things that I had to sort of think about a little bit and just make sure that they worked correctly. Uh, mo- most of my documents are already in Google Drive, either in my personal account or my, or my work account. And what else have I still got? There is one remaining issue which I haven't figured out yet, which is that uh, my wife shares a calendar with me using iCloud and I share one with her using iCloud and I don't quite know what I'm going to do about that just yet. Um, It's it's really nice because you can, iCloud, when an event changes, you get notifications and that kind of thing. So there must be some kind of equivalent I can figure out, but that may be a little complicated to get that one done. All right, there's a... Okay, there's a lot more that I want to ask you. Um, I want to ask you about apps. I want to ask you about smart home and other services, mm-hmm. Google Assistant. But before we do that, we should take a break and we should thank our friends at Pingdom. Our friends at Pingdom, this, com- this episode is brought to you by Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring really easy because everyone loves a fast website and Pingdom are helping keep your favorite sites online. Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, BuzzFeed, Slack. These are just a few of the companies that trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Because websites can get pretty complicated, but you can monitor any site transaction with Pingdom. Stuff like user registrations, logins, checkouts, and much more. Pingdom care about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is your URL, and they'll take care of the rest. That is it. So go to pingdom.com slash reallyfm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. 
And when you sign up, use the code CANVAS at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for the support of this show and Really FM. Tell me about apps. I want to hear everything about apps and switching from, I don't know, Overcast to whatever mm-hmm. you use on Android. I want to I wanna know everything. Tell me, tell me about okay. apps. Well, the fascinating thing, Federico, is that there's only about four apps that I need to find replacements for. Okay. Be- because everything else is here. Like even even One Password is here now. You know, yeah. One Password was such a kind of flagship iOS app, and it's got a virtually identical Android app now. Um, Overcast is obviously you know our, our beloved Overcast app is. I mean, I've been on Overcast since the day it came out, and it's it's just wonderful. Um, I haven't found one yet uh, for that. There is a Google Podcasts app, so I kind of like, you know, as, as you do when the new iOS comes out, trying to stay native for a while and see if if the, if the built-in or the first-party stuff is good enough. Uh, it's immediately obvious that Google Podcasts is not good enough. Um, in particular, it doesn't seem to even offer support for automatic downloading of new episodes. It's a sort of streaming by default client, and if you want to download them, you've got to go in and manually download individual episodes. That seems like a poor idea, but anyway... Uh, there is also a version of Pocket Casts for Android, so we'll have a look at that and see. The Task Manager, you know, OmniFocus has been an important part of my life for a long time as well, and I'm really going to miss OmniFocus. Uh, but Todoist, of course, we've talked about Todoist on the show a lot of times, and they're very much the sort of cross-platform. I think we, we described it one time as the Kindle of Task Managers. You know, it's the, basically the same everywhere. So uh, I'm going to take a, a look at Todoist, first of all, and, mm-hmm. and see how that works. Uh, but my beloved, beloved PCalc, there is no good replacement for that. There's wow. no calculator that also has a, a car racing 3D game in the about settings. So that's a shame. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do about that, but I hope, uh, I'm sure there must be calculators on the Android side, but nothing, mm. nothing will ever quite be PCalc, will it? There's only one James Thompson, I'm afraid. There is indeed. Uh, yeah. So what else? What else is missing? Uh, like so, <laughs> for yeah. for apps is not a huge deal. What about what about the? Mm-hmm. I don't know other accessories that you use with the with the iPhone. Yeah, the, the ecosystem play is actually perhaps harder in a way. Uh, in particular, it's farewell Apple Watch. You know, and and this is really this is the most kind of this is the bit that I'm very kind of unsure of myself about. Is you know, I love my Apple Watch. Like I really love it and. I mean, am I going to go out and buy an Android Wear watch? I don't know. Um, what I'm going to do with my watch is my wife, is she's using a Series 0 Apple Watch at the moment, so she's going to get mine. Um, we wear the same size of watch, so she's going to get a nice upgrade out of it, and I will I will decide what I'm going to do. I don't know if... Uh, um, I don't know if I might get an Android Wear watch or whatever, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But that, that's also my Apple Pay token. You know, I use Apple Pay a lot in the UK and I've always done it through the watch because the watch came out in the UK after, um, before Apple Pay came out. So I've never done Apple Pay on a phone. So it'll be weird to try using Android Pay at the terminal, but we'll give it a go mm. and see how that goes. And I mean, that's another thing as well. Even down to those deep levels, like Android Pay is a feature on Android as well. So even my cards, they didn't automatically sync over, obviously, but... Uh, even that sort of deep feature, if you like, that deep hardware feature is, is still a part of the Android world as well. I am delighted, though, that my AirPods still work really nicely on, on oh, Android. Oh, okay. So that's, that's, that would have been very upsetting because I think I love my AirPods more than I love uh, anything that Apple produce at the moment. The AirPods are just so great. 
and they paired, you just press the pairing button on the back, they paired perfectly to the Pixel 2 and they even support like double tap for play and pause and they also handle uh, ear insertion and removal correctly as well so you can pull them out and the, and the Pixel will pause. Software wise on the Pixel, one of the things I already love and this is you know Federico when you see you're listening to a podcast on iOS and then you go into the music app and you play a song in the music app and then you go into say control center and the music controller there only has the last thing that played music yes one of the really nice features I've already found on Android is that you can have sort of stacked music controllers in huh. the control center. So you can have, see, I was playing the podcast app because I was trying that and then I played something in Apple Music. And then when I swiped down in the notification center, there was a, a widget for Apple Music and then below it, there was a widget for the podcast player and they both had controls and they were both active. Um, so you could kind of flip between two different audio players at once, which was really cool. So that's one thing I found that's nicer, but... Uh, I'm sure there there will be downsides as well, but that was that was quite a nice thing to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume that uh, would you consider your uh, your software setup mostly finished? I mean, besides uh, finding alternatives for for Pcalc and and other apps, would you say that you're now settled on on this phone already? Um, I, I would say is too early to say settled i mean i think there might be opportunities to change some apps for uh-huh. ones that maybe are, are better on android i don't know i mean apple music on android is is fine it's a little weird coming from what appears to be the same product on ios and using it on android it feels like this is kind of apple music but is this really apple music i mean it obviously is but it's it just not quite the same thing so i don't know whether we might move to Spotify as a family or something like that. I'm not sure, but you know, everybody else in my family, you know, two of my three daughters and my wife are all on iPhones as well. So it's kind of weird um, to be the only person in the family who's not doing that. But I think overall, most of the apps are the same. So for the most part, it's not going to change. iMessage of course is the big one. And as a family, we also use Find My Friends a lot. Uh, so I'm obviously not visible in that anymore, which is, I don't know how that's going to play out in the family dynamics either. And I can't see anybody else because there's no Find My Friends for mm. for Android. So a few of these things, I may, I may have to sort of persuade the family to get on some alternative product or something like that. Yeah, you, you cannot be found anymore. I'm, I'm completely cloaked. <laughs> um, yeah. So how how is using this phone with an iPad at the same time? Um, I think one of the things that's sort of immediately missing is airdrop. You know, if you want to airdrop something from one to the other, it's not there. But again, I had spent so much time inside the Google, particularly at work, you know, this is part of the whole story is that as I've moved into a sort of management role at work, at school, I've just spent increasingly more and more time doing more and more complex things in in shared G Suite workflows like uh, big complicated spreadsheets or or team drives or Google Drive or something like that. So even on the iPad, I've mostly been spending my life in say docs and sheets and slides on the iPad as well. So in a way, it's it's not really much different. You know, the photos workflow might be something that catches me a little bit if I'm trying to build presentations on the iPad, but all my new photos from the phone are going into Google Photos rather than going into iCloud Photo Library. And I don't know, that's one thing I'm going to have to be quite careful about is to maybe, you know, on a monthly or yearly basis, just take what I've got 
that's new in Google Photos and just copy it manually over into iCloud Photo Library so that I sort of keep, I could switch back if I wanted to as well. So we'll see how that works out. But I, I think there's a possibility of like, you know, two photo library histories diverging at this point and never quite coming back together again. And I really don't want that to happen. Interesting. I mean, there's probably some desktop utility that you can use to sync Google Photos and, and photos on the Mac. Um, but you gotta probably, keep yeah. you gotta keep that going like in the background there there has to be a Mac that can do this stuff automatically yeah uh, otherwise yeah. you just what I do is uh, because I also use Google Photos as a um, sort of mm -hmm. secondary storage system I just have a reminder that twice a week it tells me uh, back up your photos to Google Photos and so I just open the Google Photos app on my iPhone and I I'm on a free tier because I just want it as a free backup but they go up yeah. on Google Photos and that's it um, Okay, so there's a few more questions that I that I want to ask you. Um, okay. Before we do that, uh, I think we should also thank some other friends of ours, in this case, Hover. Absolutely, because building your online identity has never been more important. And with Hover, you'll find the domain that shows everyone what you're most passionate about. I mean, Federico, you and I have run websites for many years and different purposes, and I think I mentioned before when we were talking about Hover that one of the ways that I use Hover in the classroom is uh, I actually use it to help kids explore what all the new domain names that are available are. So I'll teach them about the basics of .com and .net and all that kind of stuff. But then to show them the kind of breadth of it, Hover's got this great clean interface and I, I tend to use that as the way that I let kids go and explore what kind of top level domains they can get online. Because Hover has over 400 domain extensions to choose from to help you brand yourself online. And there's a lot of choices in there to help you find the perfect domain name. You're in safe hands as well because Hover offer best-in-class customer support with no annoying upsells. You can even grab a personalized email that matches your domain to keep everything consistent. So let's say you're a designer or another kind of creative. You can use .design instead of generic .com or .biz domain extensions. And by using .design, you're telling everyone exactly what you do. And now for the best part, all .design domains are on sale for the entire month of October at Hover. So you can grab one for just $5.99. That's 85% off your first year and half the price of a .com domain. So stand out and build your online identity with the perfect domain name for you or your business. New customers can also get 10% off any of the 400 plus domain extensions offered by going to hover.com slash canvas. That's hover, H-O-V-E-R dot com slash canvas. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So we're talking about the Google Pixel and it's impossible for me not to ask, are the pictures really as good as most people say they are? Um, I'm going to say yes. And all, all I've got to go on so far is some snaps we took around the dinner table tonight. But given the, the low level of artificial light that was available in those scenes, it really did a quite amazing job of getting them sharp. And these are pictures of that were taken of me by the kids. You know, it wasn't you know me setting up a, a photo studio situation and trying to do the best. Uh, it really came out very, very nicely. And this is a single lens camera as opposed to the iPhone's dual lens camera. But so far so good i mean it's got many of the same kind of ideas like live photos and portrait mode and things like that but of course as you're asking google are doing that by software rather than with a hardware element to it as well so mm -hmm. yeah it, it seems without zooming in or without 
looking at it in too much detail, the, to the to the naked eye, they seem to be really quite nice photographs and pretty good low light as well. I think one of the things I'm probably going to miss most is the telephoto lens on the iPhone. Um, because, you know, I, I go to a lot of rugby matches and things like that, and you can't always get too close to what you're trying to take a picture of. So I find myself using that quite a lot. And I, I don't know how good the zoom is yet, but obviously it's going to be digital zoom and not audio zooms. Uh, optical zoom, not audio zoom. Optical zoom. So, you know, maybe in, in good daylight it'll be okay for a while. But I think when it gets to the dark nights of November and December and you're trying to zoom in as well, it could get a little mm. rough at that point. Um. What about the Google Assistant? Uh, because that's the other uh, the, the other big difference from the iPhone. That on the iPhone you get Siri, and most people complain about Siri. Uh, yep. What about the Google Assistant on an Android phone? Well, th- one of the weird features on this Pixel is it's got this feature where you, if you squeeze the sides of the phone, the Assistant comes up. So that's kind of the equivalent of um, holding the home button down on the iPhone, if you like. Uh, and that I'm finding that hard to do. I don't know if it's maybe just I need to adjust the the pressure on it or something like that. But it's it's kind of hard to know when that's working. But the Google Assistant so far seems okay. Um, I find that it understands my voice better. I have always struggled a little bit with Siri, or maybe <laughs> I should say that uh, Siri has struggled with my Scottish accent. I don't know, but. Um, so far so good with the assistant i haven't really gotten into what it can actually do for me Hmm. but um what i find is that the proactive cards that pop up in the google assistant are really powerful you know that that seems to be one of the the really strong features that um you know serious suggestions are okay but i would say that google is maybe a lot more proactive in putting them in front of you and giving you a lot of them whereas siri tries to maybe find the two or three things that are possibly most relevant to you whereas with google you know i can i can swipe through that and i've got weather stuff and travel stuff and you know local information and whatever else i'm looking for as well and it seems to be quite good for that um we've been doing a little bit of smart home stuff okay in the spears household recently and so we got a couple of google home minis and my daughter's got an alexa as well and we recently got the ikea smart light kit yeah. it's called trad free i think it is and that setup worked pretty well i obviously set it up on my iphone before i had the android but then i was able to hook it using the iphone and the google assistant and the google home app on the on the iphone i was able to hook it up to the, the google home minis and what i found comparing the the home kit app the home app on ios versus speaking to the google assistant is that the google assistant is way slower really you know, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm finding that that um if I speak to Siri on the phone and I say, you know, Siri lights off, they're they're gone like that instantaneously almost. It's almost as good as pressing the switch on the wall. Whereas the the Google Home Mini will think about it, blink its lights for two or three seconds and then it'll turn the light off. Um so I don't know if that's better with the Pixel. I haven't yet tried it with the phone itself, but I find speaking to the, the Google Assistant to do HomeKit stuff much, much slower than uh, speaking to Siri to do that. Interesting. I thought it was going to be the opposite because it's usually that way, that, you know, the Google version yeah. is faster. Hmm. Okay. And I don't think I don't think the Google Home app supports scenes in the same way that the Home app does. Uh, the scenes feature is really, really nice, I think. And um, you, you can do things in Google that you can group lights together and you can put them in rooms so at least the home the, the the smart speaker knows what room it's in 
And if you say turn the lights off, it can correlate that with the lights that are in the room where you are when you're speaking to that thing. Um, so that much is pretty smart, but it doesn't have the quite the complexity of HomeKit scenes. Mm-hmm. So do you think you're going to spend a lot of time customizing every single aspect of Android of this phone? Uh, because that's possible, uh, unlike the iPhone. Do you think that's something that is interesting for you to personalize every single feature? A, a little bit. I, I wouldn't say it's my, it's my priority. And, and I deliberately uh, got the Google Pixel phone because I wanted something that was as pure Google as I, as I could get. Because I've always had misgivings about Android in terms of, okay, Google probably makes a decent operating system and they put it on good hardware themselves. But when companies like Samsung and Huawei and people like that, when they come and put their stuff on, is their additions, are their additions any good or are they junk and unstable or whatever? So I wanted to stay as close to Android as I could and to make sure that I got software updates as rapidly as I could as well. So that was, that was very important to me. And I've always had a little bit of misgivings I mean, everybody has a little misgiving, I think, about Google and privacy, but I don't, I don't share people's total paranoia about it either. I think um, there, there's there's a clear difference between um, apps that leak data after you give them your permission and catastrophic data breaches, and, and those two things are separate issues. And, and it's not as if there haven't been iOS apps that have leaked information you know right. remember there was a scandal there was a scandal about path years ago that path was uploading contacts to the cloud and things like that um so i'm not too interested in like getting every crazy keyboard i can get and trying them all out i think the google keyboard's fine you know that was something that i thought might be an issue and, and really wasn't an issue um but i, I kind of want to keep it as stock as i can for the most part and try and use as many vanilla features because I really have got to learn this operating system because I've never owned an Android phone before. I, I don't really understand what I'm doing and I'm pretty sure I'm not getting the best out of it just yet. So I, I've got quite a learning curve to get through over the next little while. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are your uh, what's your final comment on uh, do you think this is a decision that you're gonna you're gonna stick with do you do you feel like there's potential for you coming back to the iphone eventually or is that just something that you're not interested in and finally do you think this is sort of your your gate gateway to getting even more google hardware like i don't know a pixel slate or more chromebooks um what do you think? Can't, can't deny that Pixel Slate looks very interesting. Hmm. From from a for a guy who works in a G Suite environment all day, uh, that looks very interesting. Um, although expensive, you know. Yeah. I mean, not cheap. You talk about mo- mo- moving to Google hardware to save money. You know, that's not going to happen if you're <laughs> looking at a decently specified Pixel Slate. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have a lot of misgivings about what I'm doing. I, I, this is not me going, oh screw apple and fraser spears is now a google guy you know that this that's not really the sense that i've got here what i'm really sitting here going is i hope i don't hate every day of the next two years with this phone and this operating system <laughs> I, I don't think i will because i think that um both platforms have converged so much that the differences are matters perhaps of taste and a little bit of performance perhaps and a little bit of visual fluidity and things like animation. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, there are things that are better about Android than about iOS. And in particular, with this huge screen, I'm, I'm loving already the fact that you can just put an app icon anywhere on the screen and it sticks. 
you don't have to fill in from the top left like you have had to since the first iPhone. So th- there are some things, and, and like I said, the notification stuff with the, the stacked audio players and things like that. There are some things on Android that you kind of wish, well, maybe that would be nice on iOS as well. And I'm sure over time I'll find things on Android where I'm going, uh, that would be a lot easier in the iPhone, you know. Uh, so it's a watch this space, I think. Um, I like it so far. Initially, I don't immediately hate it as soon as I take it out of the box. And that's a relief to me because I thought this might be a really bad decision that I've made. But I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here in front of an iPad Pro. There's an iMac on my desk. Um, it's not as if I'm waving goodbye to the Apple ecosystem either. I feel like I'm definitely riding two horses at once for the foreseeable future. And I mean, it, you're right, it could be the gateway drug to more, you know, um, but what could also pull me back to the Apple ecosystem, particularly uh, a renewed focus on on the iPad as such is if Safari gets better on iOS mm. and it becomes a, a real strong competitor. And I think that may be a very interesting catalyst with the, with the Pixel Slate because if the Pixel Slate comes in and starts eating a bit of iPad Pro lunch because it is a full web browser and you can do the full G Suite operations in it, um, that you know, like I said, with the Chromebook tab, Apple could really h- compete hard against those products very quickly, just by getting Safari really up to par with where it needs to be. All right, so um, this will be interesting to see how it goes over the next few weeks. I'm, uh, I'm yeah. really keen to hear, like, uh, as you as you progress in this uh, in this experiment uh, after years of uh, iPhone, you know, being an iPhone user, this is always fascinating to me to hear yeah. these kinds of uh, these kinds of experiences. I mean, I, I've been an iPhone user since, since before they shipped in the UK. I mean, I, a good friend of mine in the States shipped me an original iPhone from the States, which I, wow. I jailbroke by hand oh, nice. through, through a terminal <laughs> to get it working on a UK network. Um, and my, my Apple history goes back, Federico, to you know the Mac Plus and the Color Classic. You know, I've, I've been an Apple guy since forever. So this is kind of weird for me too, to try and do this. But I think, you know, I complained quite a lot over the past couple of years about some aspects of Tim Cook's leadership of Apple and one of them is this kind of focus on additional revenue at all costs with you know prices of Macs going up prices of you know the iPad Pros have gotten more expensive over the lifetime as well the phones have gotten more expensive and then all about the services revenue as well and I think it I felt personally it was kind of time for me to either put up or shut up about that topic and it seemed weird to me to be complaining about the price of Apple stuff and and then just still giving Apple money all the time for whatever they brought out that was new. So uh, this is how I'm going to try and square that away and we'll we'll just have to see what happens. So Federico, will we leave it there for this week? Yeah. Uh, are, my, are my questions and answers to your satisfaction? Yeah, this was really interesting and I and I yeah. plan on asking you uh, how it's going because it's uh, I really want to know especially with the with the apps and all the little things about mm-hmm. Android. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it yeah. goes. I'll be able to tell you better in subsequent episodes I think once I've lived on it for a little bit yes. longer what okay. it feels like to have been a, a 10-year iPhone user and then and then land up on a Pixel. Mhm. Okay, Federico, this has been Canvas episode 72. Uh, Our title here is Fraser Goes to the Dark Side. Maybe we'll just leave it that way. Um, People can get show notes at relay.fm slash canvas slash 72. The show is underscore canvas FM on Twitter. I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter and Federico is Vitici. We'll be back with you next show.